Hey there, Disky Chicks fans. Before we get started with today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a special opportunity for you to become the DISC expert in your organization. Would you like to deliver DISC debriefs with ease, facilitate coaching sessions and teaming sessions with confidence, and elevate your stature as the go-to person for all things DISC? Join us for our live advanced DISC certification training coming up in early January 2022. This is a live small group class delivered in four two-hour sessions during the first two weeks of January. Please go to DiskyChicks.com for more information. And don't wait because the December 17th registration deadline is coming up quickly. Oh, and one more thing, since you're a Disky Chicks podcast listener, enter the promotion code DCP123 to get $150 off the registration fee as a thank you from us to you. Now on with the show. Welcome to the Disky Chicks podcast. For business leaders, HR directors, coaches, and those interested in learning how to use the DISC assessment to grow self-awareness, improve communications, and develop leaders and teams. Please welcome your hosts, business coaches Martha Fourlines and Cindy Jacoby. They are loud and proud about all things DISC. Hi, I'm Cindy Jacoby, Chief Engagement Officer for BizHelp Consulting. I work with companies and teams to improve their effectiveness by improving their hiring and their communication skills. I use DISC to help teams better understand each other and how to work better together and how to choose the right candidate for the job. I also offer certification classes so anyone can comfortably deliver and debrief the DISC assessment to their employees or clients. And by the way, in DISC language, I'm a high influencer and low compliant meaning I like to talk and influence, and I'm not great with rules or details. Martha, how about you? Hey, I'm Martha Fourline, CEO of Belief System Institute, and I'm very much like Cindy. I'm also a high influencer with a very, very low C or compliant, not good with details and not good with following a lot of rules. I also have a high dominant, which we'll be talking more about in the show. I work with courageous entrepreneurs as a consultant and coach to improve leadership skills that then improve business performance. I've had a fascination with human behavior since I was a kid, and I was blessed with 28 years in the corporate world where I was an HR and communications executive. Trust me, being in the people business that long, I've seen and heard it all. And then I started my own business in 2007, focusing on my passion, helping entrepreneurs to be all they want to be to grow their businesses. Together, Cindy and I are the Disky Chicks. We are here to inform, support, and have some fun with you as we talk about the Disk Behaviors Assessment. Some of you may know about the DISC assessment. DISC measures behaviors or communication style, things we can see when we observe a person closely. What do the letters stand for? D stands for dominance, 
someone who moves quickly, they're direct to their communication and they're all business. And I is an influencer, someone who also moves quickly, but is more people focused, outgoing and often humorous. S stands for steadiness. They're slower paced introvert who are people focused, reliable, and yes, steady. And the C stands for compliant. The C's move at a slower pace and they are our data-driven perfectionists who love to know and follow the rules. DISC is the simplest tool to understand but goes very deep and very wide and that's why we have lots to talk about. Welcome to our podcast. Get the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus. Jim Collins. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of the Disky Chicks Podcast. In our earlier podcast, we introduced a resource called One Assessment, Six Ways, and we listed six ways the Talent Insights Assessment could be used in hiring. And in Episode 4, we talked about that first way, and that was to job benchmark. And today, we'd like to take a closer look at how the assessment is used in the benchmarking process. Welcome, Martha. Glad you're here to talk about our favorite subject, job benchmarking. I know, I know. Thanks, Cindy. And what we're going to cover today is the assessment that actually gets created in the benchmarking process. So if you didn't hear the first part when we were talking about job benchmarking in the first place, the first step is once we've identified a job, we get some experts in the room to really talk through that job. We want to know why that job exists, uh, what will this person be doing, what are they responsible for, and what problem this role is going to solve for the company. And that's a that's a big brainstorming session that we have with our subject matter experts. And then... We take them to the computer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what we have them to do to create this job report is to take this assessment, this six in one assessment that Cindy was talking about, and they're taking it for the job, not for themselves, what's true for themselves, but for the job itself. And what happens is, let's say we have four people that are subject matter experts and they all submit their answers to the job itself. And then our vendor actually aggregates all of that information so that we get one profile out of this process. And this one profile is the job report that we use to compare actual candidates against. This is what I call our perfect robot model. If we could create a person to fit this job, this is what their profile would look like. And again, we don't have any candidates in mind at this point. We only spoke for the job. You know, what if the job could talk, what would it what would it want to say? What kind of person is going to thrive intrinsically? Right. Um, in, this, right. in this job. And, and the reality is we come up with this robot person profile and there, <laughs> I have not seen one comparison report or gap report that we'll talk about in just a minute 
that was the perfect candidate. Now, I will say about a month ago, I saw one that was the closest I have ever seen. And I got a hold of the HR person that had referred it to me to analyze. And I said, hire them, hire them quickly. <laughs> Hang up and yeah, call exactly. them right now. Make that offer. So the job report produces ranges really about in several of, especially in the disc, it, it'll, it tells you we want between this and this, we want the D to be higher than the S or the S to be higher than the C. And what I look for with uh, with my clients is really the shape of of the disc right. graph. What's higher, it doesn't have to be the exact number, but when you um, actually match it with a candidate, it superimposes the candidate's scores with that range that we got from the, from the job profile. And it's kind of cool to see you know, what all matches up and what's higher yeah. than what. So yeah, the, the job profile is kind of a cool, cool looking. Yeah, and they also, uh, that range is pretty big. I think it's a 20 point range. So if they fall right in the middle or they fall in the high end or the low end, then that's great. Or they may be a teeny bit below or a little bit above. And I still consider that okay. Uh, in the scheme of things, but you know we're well, we're looking for somebody that is as close to that profile as possible. We have had uh, I've had a candidate before where maybe one of the driving forces was super, super, super important mm -hmm. to them, and so we, uh, Martha and I, can we can go in and we can lessen that range to really make I it specific that you've got to fall in here. Um, we've also can broaden the range if it's one that's just really not that important. Maybe it's the fourth driving force of mm -hmm. your top four, not mission critical. Maybe we can accept a broader range of that, but. The assessment never kicks any candidate out. It just takes the candidate for what they are and they match it up to what the report right. says. So I guess in the process, Martha, after we've completed the job profile report, we've got to get something from the other side, right? From the candidate right. side. Exactly. When do you say, when, when do you recommend that a candidate take this talent assessment? And this assessment is not any different than what we've been talking about for the past year, this is the regular talent assessment that we give to teams and we give to um, companies that we work with. Same same exact report right, for candidates. Right, Well, you know, in terms of when we give it to them, it's, it's really once they've been through the sieve inside the organization, I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. And, and that means that they've been through probably three different interviews before they decide, well, this is my number one candidate and this is my number two. Let's see how they look against the job report. And once we know who they are, then I get information and I send the candidate or candidates in, in email with instructions and the job link and uh, the do's and the don'ts about how to take this assessment and then wait for the results to come in. Is basically That's cool. I think it's tempting, Martha, for people to want to just not even talk to somebody until they've gone through the assessment. And that's a big no-no in hiring because the assessment, while it's interesting and it tells you a lot of things that you wouldn't know about a candidate, it's just one of the 
part of the hiring process. So I agree with you, Martha. I would never give the assessment yeah. right off the bat. I typically recommend a phone screen, an in-person interview, and then depending on how many candidates, I'll have my client go ahead and give the assessment to the candidate because when they have one more interview after that, they can address some of the gaps that they might have found in that assessment. So I always give them one more chance to talk to the candidate so they can really explore, especially if they love this candidate and something's not right, they get a chance to go a little bit deeper in there um, and, and explore why the candidate chose that and that they may have a great logical reason for um, why maybe one of their driving forces is different than what we yeah. were looking for. And it just starts a whole right. conversation. Yeah. And oftentimes because my primary user of the benchmarking is they do go through that process. But then if I find something that, you know, let's say 80% of the results are really good, but there's still something there that I'm concerned about, then I'll put recommended questions to go back and ask them. And that has worked out perfectly fine as well in terms of right. being able to vet, you know, is this, is this Memorex or is this real, right, uh, with these candidates? So, um, but nonetheless, they end up really having candidates when they get them on board and they have met those requirements that are laid out in the benchmarking job report, uh, you know, they are good fits and they are quick studies and they're very successful. And I think that's the proof of the pudding with benchmarking. Right. And if we're talking about specifically, you know, kind of the, the assessment itself and all the different reports we can get, just to, just to be clear, you know, we have those subject matter experts take the assessment as if they were the job. The next step is that we produce, the, the, the system produces a job profile report. That's our robot. Then we get a candidate to take the talent insights and then that's when Martha or I, we have access to the profile, we have access to the candidate, we put them both into the system, and then it gives us a whole nother report, and that's what's called the gap report. And the gap report is will spell out how close this candidate is to all the targets that we've set. And that's what's kind of cool. That's where we're looking for that yeah. overlay with the candidate. Yeah, and my clients love the gap report. It's it's very literal, but it's very great for people that are just visual like me. So you can literally see where they're in and where they're out. And, and then cumulatively, how do they look, right? Um, and, and then there is one more report. If uh, your client, Cindy, in the past, or some of my clients have had, let's say, four people that they're comparing rather than doing these individual gap reports, because that's one person is there is a job comparison report. And it's also visually very telling on who is the best candidate and who may be coming in last, so to speak. So what they do is they have each element of the driving forces and where the job benchmark has placed the best range and then the same thing for the behaviors and then they plot each of those four different individuals results in the report so 
you can see who may be a close second, but who obviously is way far and above the best fit and match from a compatibility standpoint for the job and also for the culture. I don't want to overlook the fact that it is measuring cultural fit as well. And Martha, let's put some of these on. We'll put a sample of each of these reports on our website. So you can just go and you can re-listen to this and watch what we're talking about. But what's fun about the comparison report is that you can have four candidates. And for every question that we've, we've asked for a rating, it puts all four right underneath the question. And then there's a, um, like a progress bar. And you can see who's got really long, who's really close to the target, who's really short. What I don't like about the report is that it won't tell you at the end who's the best, no. you know, but it just gives you all the data side yeah. by side. And then you have to look for yourself, which one has more bars that go all the way across the page versus ones that are just maybe the 20 or 30% yeah. ones. So, but again, it's a fast glance. It gets a little complicated when a candidate is high in some and low in others and they all outrank each other. It's kind of like a watching the tortoise and the hare. One will move ahead and then the next one will move ahead on the next question. And um, But a lot of times you can get, you know, maybe a top candidate or top two and then still maybe do the the gap report just to get a really clear fit on, on where that person yeah. is. But it, it's a great resource. And I have a little trick, Martha, that I did um, using this report. I have not had very many clients who have four candidates, four finalists for a job, but I have done an in-house benchmarking when we created a new position and we wanted to fill it from within. So we had assessments for everybody on, you know, everybody in the company and there's some, some ways in the system that you can put in certain criteria and rank them and pull out a couple of them and do a comparison report just mm -hmm. for those to see um, who's the best fit for that benchmark. So it's great for building a bench. Um, we did this for, we wanted to pro promote a manager to the next level. We created a, a middle layer. So we took all of the managers and put them on this comparison report to see who's gonna meet that benchmark the best. So it was a great oh, yeah. tool for that. Yeah, great for um, even succession planning. Yeah, succession planning. Um, and, and oddly enough, one of my clients did use this comparison report because they had four candidates they wanted to look at. And as much as I am a low C, not detail-oriented, not analytical, I actually had fun breaking it down and coming up with a across-the-board comparison so that I had a final score for each one of them. Aren't you, you proud of me? Look at you. You probably had an Excel spreadsheet out and everything, didn't you? I did. I did. And and it really was, um, it was necessary yeah. because I was dealing with the decision maker that was very high compliant. Yeah. And in order to prove who was the best candidate, I did, I had to break it down and analyze all the data, uh, which is no big deal. I mean, it really is not a difficult task to do. And I think that's what's great about this whole system is that this is a, a data-based function, job benchmarking, because it's not emotional like it is when you do an interview. You don't fall in love with somebody's report. Uh, this tells you in black and white 
no matter how flowery the interview was or how charming the person was or how cute they looked that day, this can give you some fodder for better questions. Right. Instead of just believing everything that you hear. So it it is data driven. And even those of us who are not super data people, um, this helps us. It grounds us, those of us who are more emotional and fall in love real easily with with candidates. Well, and Cindy and I have both um, worked in the emotional intelligence arena, and there, of course, is an assessment for that as well. And we found out that 90% of people's decisions are emotional. Indeed. And when you are hiring people, you just best not do that. You just really cannot rely on somebody that had cute shoes and was smiling and sweet and pretty. I mean, okay, but what's underneath all of that? And that's what benchmarking is able to do for you. It is very powerful. Have you ever had a client who fell in love with a candidate and the data said probably not the best choice? And if so, what happened and and who was right? doesn't mean it can't work. No, I know. I know. But yeah, one of them... I just said, no, um, the compliance not high enough for this, for them to do this job. They said, but we're, we're just desperate. How many times have you heard that? <laughs> they hired them and I mean, really and truly two months later, they had to let them go and start all over again. So yeah. it's just, uh, it's just not worth taking shortcuts. Yeah. All right. Excellent. That. Very good. Well, this is a short and sweet one today, and I'm I'm okay with that. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you want to see a copy of one of these assessments, just go to DixieChicks.com. We have a whole resources page. You can just click on it, and we will email it to you. And it's that what's neat about this is that it's all around the same sample. I think the guy's name is like Samuel Sample, you know, and so you'll see a real life candidate not real life but you'll see a sample candidate and a sample job description and then you see later that candidate overlaid on that job profile so it's kind of cool to watch that that progress but uh if you have any more questions about job benchmarking feel free to send us an email or, or write us a note on diskychicks.com and we're happy to to answer that for you but i think getting your hands on a gap report is a great way to, to see what we're talking about and see that data. It's hard over a podcast to do it justice. Yes, that's true. That's but true. It uses the sciences of the driving forces that why you come to work, super important. And then the disc that we know and love on how you go about your day. Absolutely. All right. All right. Really appreciate you listening in and we will be continuing the conversation about benchmarking next week. All right. That's right. Thanks everybody. Thanks to all of you continuous learners for listening in with Cindy and me today. We are passionate about the power of the DISC behavior assessment and we love bringing it to you and your clients. We invite you to visit our website at diskychicks.com. There you will find a link to all of our podcasts, and you can listen to previous episodes and subscribe. Also on our website, you can try a DISC assessment for yourself. Just click the link, take the short assessment, and we'll quickly send you the results. Also, check us out 
as well on Facebook and Instagram. We can't wait to hear from you. See you next week on the Disky Chicks podcast. Thank you for listening to the Disky Chicks podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. To learn more or start a conversation with Cindy and Martha, visit the Disky Chicks podcast Facebook page.